0: Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. I mean, the best. So I know other podcasts will promise you that, but we are the finest here at Keen Enterprises. Um, I mean, guaranteed. And we don't even need to guarantee it, because word of mouth, uh, as you know, will uh, will endorse that. Uh, Guys, brought to you today and every time, every episode, every issue, brought to you by uh, Script Pipeline, the best screenwriting service around the world. Write and submit your screenplay or show idea and get it constructively criticized by expert readers and get it into the fray, you know, give it a chance, let it breathe, get it into the dialogue of movie makers, people that have the power to green light projects. Right, give your script a chance. You know, with social media now and the fragmentation of news and entertainment, um, movies, magazines, newspapers—they're just either wiped out or so altered that everything seems chaotic. And it just—I don't know—it loses its punch. I feel like it's still about the content. You know, I don't even know—I don't even know what movies are now. You know, when I see a trailer on TV, it's like, is that movie going to be in theaters or like, where will that be available? Then I see where it'll be available. And it's like, well, if it's that good a movie, why is it only available on that one streaming service? It's weirdly not helping the cause. So it's just such a weird flux. Some of the streaming services, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to see that. It, it, you know, I'm not going to go digging for a movie. Yet putting it in theaters doesn't do anything anyway. uh there's so many garbage movies out there that if your uh, movie only gets to this like one lame streaming service, I'm out. You know, for that reason, I'm out. Some comedians have really embraced the social media uh, aspect of stand-up. Sometimes the material though is sacrificed as a result. Not always, but I find that like some people get so caught up with just getting every bit on tv with the you know subtitles so it's called with the words and i don't know I, I, with a crowd and it's just like dude that stuff's secondary there's all there's all kinds of people that can do that so write the material do the set eventually get an audience eventually that gets taped and somebody can do that but not anybody can do the writing for you or the going over the bits and all that stiff, okay? Um, But I feel like half the the comics embraced it and got into hosting their own little show, whatever corner of the world that is, and then half were like, F this, right? I'm focusing on the writing, I'm going to stay on the writing, which is kind of what I've done, I hope, and just going to write a book, script, show. Um, You know, don't want to post three to five videos a day. You know, David Letterman made such a great call about 10 years ago uh, with shutting it down. One, he was getting older and probably didn't want to do it anymore. But two, he sees that it's like all about internet clips and little break off. And and he's like, I'm out of here. You know, I do interviews, okay? And I'm just going to take my brand elsewhere. And so now he does it on his own time. The Netflix thing, Seinfeld with the cars. Leno with his... Well, Leno still does that. You bet your life or whatever. That's awful. But... But the car show isn't bad. But you just take your brand elsewhere. You, where's your specialty? You know, and Letterman is amazing with those interviews, and so he's on Netflix, and you know, still relevant. Um, his pace, he gets to do whatever he wants. His money. He didn't try to stay in the uh, talk show game. You don't want to get into something you can't sustain. You know, like a car payment, house payment, overextending early, top heavy, blow your wad. Early type stuff. Comedians have sets like that sometimes. You know, they're killing in the first five to seven minutes of the show and by minute fifteen it's just it's dead and you still have half an hour to do up there or forty five minutes. Still happens with me. Uh I think one of these shows that happened. It was like going really well and like for the first ten minutes and I'm like, I'm gonna be up here another half hour, like which is fine, but the pace just came off. You know, I was trying to watch earlier the Jets Bills game on T V. As we're just outside Brisbane now, we're pulling in. This is, uh, it's Monday morning here, but the football games are on there, uh, Sunday. If this connection, w- you know, I hope I'm hoping in Brisbane to hike this bridge, they've turned into like a scenic walk up this old bridge. I'm, I want to do that, so I'm watching the game and. So many teams like are relying. I mean, the quarterback situation in the NFL is out of control. There's so many great QBs that are mobile, that can throw. It's so exciting, but um, too many of these teams rely on magical quarterbacks. You know, they're really living dangerously because you're not really building a quarterback that way. You know, running out his legs, and by the time he's um maybe a good thrower, or, or you know, he relies on his legs so that five years in seven years in when he should be a really good um throwing quarterback he's relied on his legs too much and he can't move like he used to so it's like anyway the the magic's not going to be there every week it's still about the defense and the o and d line it's still those things packers chiefs they've each won a super bowl but they rely so heavy on their quarterback to do amazing things raiders of the 70s were like that Kenny Stabler. I mean, the defense, they had great players. Were they a great defense? They won a lot of games. But those Steelers teams, the defense were so good. And then Bradshaw, who was really good too, uh, was allowed to do whatever he wanted and could. And he could get bailed out. Um, The Raiders in the 70s were kind of like, Stabler, you need to win this for us. Then the 80s hit. The Raiders figured it out, right? They figured out the long game. My point is, you have to build the full package. The Bills are supposed to be so good, but I don't see a championship defense you know i they gave up three long drives to the jets what the fuck am i even talking about what is this podcast but like i've just been on the ship's too long now what am i in week 4 or 5 here um it's a um it's a rigid like the the jets they drove through late first half early second half and then late in the fourth they're on their own five and they drive drive the length of field to the other team's five probably could have scored a touchdown but kicked a field goal um but you just you can't have long drives like that they're back breaking you know uh You need a rigid, stubborn group that frustrates the opponent and makes them get into their own heads. No matter how good an offense you have, you need that defense. You get that opponent, man, frustrated with themselves, panicking that they're not scoring as much as they usually do, playing out of rhythm off their game plan where they're like, this isn't the pace I like. You got them. You got them. The Bills need one more strong safety or d lineman or something. I mean, I know they they got that with Vaughn Miller a little bit, outside linebacker coming in. Creating havoc, and he's you know been on Super Bowl teams, but they just need that one. They need the little nastiness that they kind of never had before, too, um, in their great run of the late '80s, early '90s. I don't know. Maybe they're playing injured, but you know what? The Jets aren't a bad team at all, and the Bills are on the road. It's a tough division game, um, but for them and so many other teams, to get to the next step. You need that D, right? We'll see if the the Bengals can do it, if the Chargers can do it. Um, we'll see if the chiefs can get back. I doubt the packers will return. Um I don't know about the rams. And then uh, we'll see about the bills. I'd like to see it happen with the bills. It's been a long tough road. Uh having a solid defense with an average quarterback preferable to some superstar quarterback with an, with a good with a good D or a pretty good D, you know. Niners. We'll see what the Niners. I mean the Chiefs beat the Niners in the Super Bowl, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but the Niners look really good. That defense looks like a team where you're like, I don't want to go in and face them. Kind of like the uh, the Ravens were, uh, the Bucks were there for about a year. You know, the Bears were there. Belichick's defense with the Lion, with the Giants was there. Um, but right now in the NFL, the defense I don't want to face is the Niners. It's just like nasty. It's frustrating. It's a little like, you know, there's like an asterisk. Like a, a, a bell goes off. We'll see it's just easier to frustrate one great quarterback than it is to do so to an entire 11 person defense anyway fascinating nfl podcast um you know everything is so awkward i'm on this ship i'm doing these shows everything is so awkward every show you know they have trivia bingo they have little speeches like ted talks presentations seminars where people come and talk about whatever um You know, I was on a cruise ship from England to New York, and there was a guy, he spoke twice. He had two speeches about Princess Diana. Like, he spoke about Diana and her life. And the fucking theater was packed. And I was like, what? Um, So everything is so weird. But it is cool. I mean, we're pulling into Brisbane, and someone comes and talks about the ecosystem in, in Brisbane and Australia and the archipelago which is a word I'll never be able to pronounce um, of Indonesia and stuff like that. But so this whole experience, it's like Fantasia world, right? All this stuff is so strange. You can't take the shows too seriously. And I think I do that too much. I just too, put too much on it. Um, I was asked to do more time for my shows and I didn't really have it. At least I didn't have what I was comfortable with, but somehow just did it. I just did the two shows and I was so happy to be done. Um, I reviewed a bunch of old material, so I had to do two different forty-five minute sets, which is just crazy. But I mean, I was limping on that second, second one, just grab bag and talking about the history of New York, how it went from Native American to Dutch, like talking about why the Netherlands embrace the color orange and stuff like that. Um. Look, it's not like they love any of your favorite material you're doing. Or that they're even thinking about your show five minutes after it happens. So you just do whatever. You just got to get them to laugh occasionally, even if it's making fun of yourself, which there's a ton of jokes. Like, I wrote a joke on stage the other night, I think. uh, When you say you wrote it on stage, it means you came up with it, and then you'll use it later. Or I say, look, I got into stand-up comedy for me, but I'm going to get out for you guys. You know? And that got a laugh for some reason. The wording's a little silly. Um, having said all that, it takes rehearsed, battle, and time-tested material just to get through these shows. Like, They're not great shows. The crowds come up. People are like, good stuff, man. We liked it. My wife and I. But they're not fun. They're not great. Um, to just have a passable show on these cruise ships takes years unless you're Sinbad and you can walk up and just like talk to people and you're funny and you can, you hit a beat every three seconds and you're just a nonstop machine. Um, and people act like the bookers, they act like it's so damn easy to just do more material. It blows my mind. Like one lady's like, okay, so he's got two, he doesn't have a third. He's only going to do two shows. She was one of the uh, directors was telling another director and I'm like only two, like I've got a more dirty material if you want that. But like, you only have two 45 minute sets in your arsenal. It's like, what? You know? Um, oh, the microphone electrocution's a good joke. Rams just, now the Rams' Tampa game is on and Rams just dropped it. Can the Rams just go back to their freaking original unis? But they're in Tampa and some guy just dropped a long, perfect pass. Jefferson just dropped a perfect pass from. From uh, Stafford, uh, Stafford. Okay. Uh, oh, I joked about how the toughest part about doing comedy on a cruise ship is putting the microphone down before you jump into the ocean, so you don't uh, electrocute yourself while you're trying to drown yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. So Tonga, we left Tonga, making it toward our way toward Eastern Australia, toward Brisbane, and in between there we stopped in New Maya or New Caledonia um tonga was amazing there you know they endured the COVID shutdown and all the loss of international revenue because they don't export they only import uh then in january of this year a volcano caused a tsunami so there were ashes everywhere for them in january the place looked like ash and then two big waves that rocked part of the island and two big tsunami waves tidal waves destroyed resorts miles into the island they showed me we drove around the concept of one or two waves smashing into the land and destroying so much it's just incomprehensible when you see something like that you must be in awe and so traumatized i don't know if it happened in the middle of the night if you could even see it but that must be so fucking horrifying to see like water just out of the ordinary you're like oh my god this thing that just seems harmless come and just rock your world Uh, the people that I talked to on the island who said it they said it was the loudest thing they've ever heard they said it was way louder than lightning thunder all that Uh, thunder they said you could hear the wave hit the land as if uh, you know even if you're on the other side of the island it tore beaches apart like it ripped sand back into the sea and rock and earth it pulled it back into the sea it turned sand beaches into rocks it ripped away earth turned over trees How only three people died is mind-boggling. I don't know what kind of advance notice they got for something like that. Um, So, anyway, cool, interesting time. Getting Wi-Fi from a tent on the side of the road for $3 an hour was a trip. So, these people, man, are scraping by for anything. But they're happy. They're so low-maintenance. They don't hustle you in Tonga. They're happy to have visitors since they don't export anything. Um the Chinese set-up shop there. Where are we? Okay, yeah. The Chinese set-up shop in Tonga about 30 years ago, and they sell different goods from different shops. They bought some of the land. I don't know why. They might have they had to sell that off. And who knows? Maybe, maybe we're right back into, you know, colonial times. Just economically colonial, where... A country like China can just come in and buy these islands make islands Um, but they have some of the land on Tonga and the people are concerned what's gonna happen to that land but how the hell are you gonna stop that I don't know maybe because Tonga is so inaccessible some people from Asia tried to open a casino there and Tonga blocked it they're like no no we don't want the gambling prostitution um, drugs Uh, This woman driver, Jane, she had her own little taxi van. Jane was, of course, her English-American name, since her Tongan name has to be dumbed down from its original form so an American can pronounce it. But she drove me around the island for like three hours, uh, gave her a nice tip. You know, I'd rather do that than some shuttle full of strangers, which I don't mind doing either, actually. Uh, This woman, man, was so tough and cool. I have video, but no pics of hers for some reason, so not sure how I did that. She has six kids Five boys between the age Five boys, one girl All between the age of 26 and 17 Rapid fire Her great, great, great grandfather Was a white dude from Europe So she's a mix Her words uh, She said That's why she's not as big as other Tongans Because <laughs> she's got the European blood in her Her words Talked about how Tonga Tongans don't eat between meals But their meals are huge Way too much. She said they way too much. Diabetes is a huge problem. Amputation of appendages is a huge problem. But it's trip. Tonga, man, not to be confused with Samoa or Fiji. You know, most of these ports we go to, they have, there's a huge, like, <clears throat> dock that you pull into. And there's room for plenty of ships. Tonga had one, like, this little strip. And I'm like... Cause I was there the night before the day before the ship came in and I'm like, so there's going to be a ship here tomorrow. They're like, yeah, I'm like a, a cruise ship, a huge cruise ship's going to park it at this little dock tomorrow. Not a bunch of crew. Cause normally it's a huge dock with a bunch of ships. And this is like a little strip of cement going into the sea. And the guy's like, man, there will be your ship. Your Holland America ship will be here tomorrow <clears throat> right here, <clears throat> right here in this spot. So, uh, anyway not to be confused with samoa fiji captain cook came in like the 1600s and discovered these places from england um discovered are we going to change that word ever or is it is there a better word or phrase captain cook islands uh are just kind of west of um fiji and and samoa or wait would that be east that would be west they're wait a minute would that be east yeah yeah they're east of they're they're west of hawaii further toward asia from hawaii um southwest of hawaii which is the far east okay which is the end you know um but people from tonga have to go to fiji to get a visa to get out and the numbers aren't good she says there's talk like she says she tried a couple times she went to fiji twice maybe three times and she couldn't get the american uh, visa or a visa to get out anywhere she said there's talking of american embassy coming to to tonga and that would be thrill thrilling it would bring in more commerce give tongans an opportunity to have direct line with u.s get more people there get more people out who knows maybe the u.s does that to counter chinese influence um they prefer u.s to china They'd rather have us being there than China. They say because our our products, I don't know what products are coming from America, but she just said we're more trustworthy and uh, our products don't break down. She said the Chinese products always break down right after. I don't know what, like toys. Uh, But look, cultures worldwide, globally, humanity needs each other. You know, it's like if they could export about a thousand kids overseas from Tonga and exchange programs to do whatever, wherever, for six months stints or a year, or to college, send people to, to college or into the workforce around the world and then some of them could come back to Tonga and help with capital and inf- infrastructure. Um, and then what countries like the U.S. get out of it? Little culture, humanity, some diversity, arts, labor, troops, perspective, the big thing, perspective, you know? Um, the eyes of a foreigner are keener, more keen than the eyes uh, of a local, right, of a citizen. You want outside perspective. They see more. So not to culturally appropriate, but you see when you visit places like this, even more so than the Caribbean and Central and South America and Mexico, because those aren't purely indigenous, but with Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, the lifestyle is so different. It's like visiting a Native American reservation, man, because there hasn't been any mixing, Um, really. You know, the lifestyle is so different. And when white technology and advancement or greed or whatever you want to call it comes, it just seizes the land. Slowly at first and then the acceleration. You know, I think it didn't happen more in the South Pacific because by that time, um, one, it's inaccessible. And by the time people got there, it was maybe 18 or 1900s. And it was like, I mean, like a lot more people. And it was just like, well, what's it going to help us to take over Tonga? You know, white man. Um, but, man, where New York and D.C. and Virginia and Florida were, talk about accessible. I mean, that was just a matter of time. That was a perfect crossroads, right? <clears throat> that was fleeting. I mean, you're, you're a little hop from Europe, Europe, Europe. You're a hop from Europe? Forget about it. Five-hour flight now? And you're right there in, the, in a trade lane back in the 14, 15, 16, 1700s? Um it was game over. So uh, something that helps me with Native American culture and perspective of the history is like, man, Native Americans made it until 1492 before they had to deal with like that that stuff. So when it happened, it was brutal, but they got to go pretty deep into history before they had like international slaughter on a scale that, that they'd never seen. Meanwhile, in Europe, it was going on for hundreds of years. Okay, um, you know the Northeast, New York, D.C., Virginia, that's Florida, kind of swampy. I know it seems like the weather was so great when Columbus and the Mayflower arrived, but it's swampy, you know, and they're probably in like long clothing. It's funny what we glorify, Um, but you see the cultural collision, you know, back then. Okay, um, but it's all just mind-blowing, and the dudes in Tonga are so big. I don't think I'd even move one if I had to, like playing football i got to find out where that sumo champion was from when I was in Japan. 93 to 95, the sumo champ, I think he was from Tonga or Samoa or Fiji. He couldn't be beat. And obviously Japan wanted a Japanese title holder, and there was a guy who was close, but he just couldn't beat the sumo champ. You know, I wonder if that dude was from Tonga. He looked it. Anyway, look, globally we continue to explore, get to know each other more. Um, hopefully someday understand each other even better. If I come back to Tonga, for one, I mean, I'm not going to come back unless it's, like, work, I guess. Um, I'd want to swim with the whales. I kind of didn't know you could do that until, like, you find out later when you're talking with people. Because I don't really talk to people going into a port. I talk to them coming out um, afterwards. But they said there's a boat you can take, and swimming with whales is just incredible. Can you imagine rubbing up against a whale? I'd cry. I'd cry even if it got close. Um, Out of happiness, too fear excitement you think whales can sense that either someone's vibe probably someone's vibe their eyes their smile their heartbeat they got to their animal they're mammals a horse knows dogs know people know mammals animals they know cats know but they won't tell you anything um I swear, man, I I should be doing one of these episodes every day. I feel like I'm writing so much. So it's weird to do uh, all that with a native islander and then get back on a ship and do comedy for the furthest thing from what you just experienced, right? You're with indigenous people. You're on an island. You're seeing how they live, eat, dress, sleep, how they spend their days, how they work, whatever their job is, how they talk to each other. Can you hop on a ship, elderly white people who are, like, retired, timid, non-engaging. They're fine. I shouldn't pile on. They've lived their lives. But it's just a trip, dude. Uh, The ship in the Bahamas was an absolute party. Islands and beaches, Latin, Italian culture, just boombox, EDM, rave, nonstop, gorgeous people. Um, Now I'm on Holland, America, where the average age has to be north of 75. Uh, So many wheelchairs. You know they come to the comedy show as if it's a lecture Uh, they come just because it's on the sheet they drop off in your cabin every night sheet of events but it's so bizarre and you just have to not take it that seriously some comics thrive some comics are fine with just mediocre response maybe that's what I'm evolving into I hope not but they are um, they're okay with nothing (laughs) coming back from the audience because they're not about the jokes or the experience they're about the grift right charm fake charm whatever or they don't know any better they're detached or they're just like i'll take it uh some are good comics too, but you have those and then you have great comics who are so sensitive and just would die on the ship they would lose it because they're like this is the only response i'm getting from the audience i'm out of here um and, like, a lot of great comics want no part of the cruise ship scene, which I totally get as well. And no matter what ship I get on, I obsess over the last one, the previous one being better. I'm like, well, the last ship did this, you know, like a little baby. Because when I was on that one, I was like, well, why can't this one be more like Holland America? And now I'm on Holland America, and I'm like, why can't this other one be like, uh, you know, MSC? Uh, okay. Comedy, oh. Oh, com- I was, uh, comedy, the word comedy is such a small word for what it is. I feel sometimes like it's this jokey little balloon animals and clown show for a concept that is far greater. Making human flaw relatable, silly, a clever and fun way to explore philosophy and our existence. You know, religion and philosophy classes and speakers are never fun, but comedy makes it so. You know, these are brilliant minds out there. You Oh, I'm sorry, there are brilliant minds out there uh, you just can't sit through. Or brilliant speakers out there who don't have anything to say. It's just more the way they ha- how they say it. So a lot of times the mind can't do the speech, but the speaker has no mind. Like, it's not anything poignant. But a good comic does both, right? Great prepared mind-written stuff, uh, presented eloquently, elegantly, and funny but the word comedy just seems like a silly dismissive word for something that is much larger. Listen to this self-important bullshit. Okay. Um, the feeling. Oh, we all have that feeling that you're doing enough or not doing enough. I'm on a ship getting paid to be here and do stand-up, and I'm writing and I'm working out, you know, I'm eating the last couple of days, got a little away from it. I let it get away from me. But, uh, what more can you do? I, in my head, I'm like, why am I not doing more? But what more can I do? I'm reading in my spare time. I guess I need to get an instrument, get some language lessons going, write the letter. Write letters to the government officials on behalf of some cause, you know, the poor, disenfranchised. Um, okay, I watched the story of Matthew Webb, Captain Matthew Webb. He was the first man, English man, he was the first man to swim across the English Channel. He was in the British Navy. He did it in 1875, gnarly, 21 miles from uh, England to France, swam it would not be denied he almost died so many times he eventually did die trying to swim across the niagara river um but uh anyway he accomplished it and you just saw you saw he was like i'm doing this i mean he was dying and everyone around him is like dude you are going to destroy yourself he came i think his dad was a doctor his brother was a doctor but he's like sorry this is stuck in me i've got to do this even if i die so uh good music in the film as well give it give it a go Um, I think it's just called Captain Webb. I wrote a joke about Australia and all the countries where English is spoken. Oh, and Goldilocks. Yeah. I will say the Canadians seem to be the best because they know how to mediate between the Americans and the English and the Australians because they're calm. And then with um, the crew and the stewards, they talk slowly like the Americans do. They talk slowly and try to enunciate. Uh, The English and Australians to me seem merciless towards the help Just like they they don't really try to slow it down or enunciate They're like what this is the way English is spoken if they can't get it. It's very interesting Um, But uh, oh the joke is that if Goldilocks were to sleep with any of the English speaking countries it would be Canada you're just right You're just right um, you know, if she was playing Mary, fuck, kill, um, Australia, she would date in college because Australia is fun, it's wild, it's out there. Um, Australia is a result of, I think, either English sailors going, I don't want to go home yet, let's just keep going and seeing what's out there, what's further away from where we're from, or their wives going, no, stay out longer, stay out longer. Yeah, you don't need to come home. So, uh, yeah goldilocks would maybe date australia but marry canada i don't know and kill england and america maybe i had an australian boy 11 in my audience i do a joke about grandparents and i asked him if he talked to his grandparents much and he looked at me and gave me the thumb across the throat like he was a goddamn pirate And i'm like oh they're past and he's like yeah i'm like what 11 year old is making that gesture like, he's, he just takes the thumb across the crow, as if he did the murdering or something. I was like, all right, dude. Fucking Australians, man. Um, so some ships I don't spend too much time with uh, the other passengers, because it can be depressing. I'd rather be in my room preparing for a show, and then just do the show. And then that's how I can see them in my head instead of in reality. Because if I see them, I'm like, I'm really giving myself and my comedy to them. <laughs> Because everyone's, man, in their 70s and 80s. And I feel like I'm a I'm a young 50, so it's a drain. But uh, that MSC gig in the Caribbean was something, bro. Wow. All right. Um, keen on Things Podcast, guys. Keen of comedy on all social media platforms. Back in, uh, what have I got? Two and a half more weeks, three more weeks. Can't wait to be back. But I also like working and getting paid and seeing the world. All right. Thanks for listening. A um, little out of it little little sluggish i'm i'm in it but i'm just sluggish rusty okay love you thank you bye